Hello, and welcome to Writing the Coast. I'm your host, Megan Cole, and Writing the Coast is the official podcast of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes. On Writing the Coast, you'll hear conversations about books, publishing, and of course, our annual prizes. Our guests include the finalists and winners of the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, and organizers and book enthusiasts from across the province and territory. Over the next little while, you'll hear conversations with folks who support, encourage, and love the magic that is the BC and Yukon literary community. This episode features my chat with Leslie Hertig, the Artistic Director of the Vancouver Writers' Fest. Leslie was born into a house of books and has made her career from various points within Canada's book industry. She has worked for some of Canada's best bookstores, acted as a sales representative and publicist for some of North America's great publishers, and worked as a foreign rights and contracts manager at Raincoast Books. Leslie sat on the board of directors for the Vancouver Writers Fest before taking her role as artistic director, a role which she says is her dream job come true. The Vancouver Writers Fest, which is held annually on Vancouver's Granville Island, was inaugurated in 1988 by founding artistic director Alma Lee. The festival is in its 33rd year and has featured authors such as Zadie Smith, Roxane Gay, David Sedaris, Essie Dugan, Alice Monroe, Salman Rushdie, Rachel Kushner, Kevin Kwan, Kate Atkinson, Thomas King, Naomi Klein, Ian Rankin, and many, many more. In 2010, the Vancouver Writers' Fest was named the best large literary festival in Canada by the Canadian Tourism Commission. And like many other literary festivals and conferences, things over the last year have been very different for the Vancouver Writers' Fest. Instead of holding their festival on Granville Island, they moved online and are continuing to offer many great events in a virtual space. In my conversation with Leslie, you'll hear more about what the Writers' Fest has done to adapt to these pandemic times, as well as some of Leslie's favorite Writers' Fest memories from past events. Here's my conversation with Leslie Hertig. My name is Leslie Hertig, and I'm the Artistic Director at the Vancouver Writers' Fest. We are a festival that hosts international authors as well as local and Canadian authors. How did you get started with the Vancouver Writers' Festival? I started as a publicist, actually, who was bringing authors to the festival. And I enjoyed it so much that I sought out being on the board of directors, which I sat on for about 15 years before stepping off to apply for the position that I knew was coming open of artistic director. What was it that you were drawn to that you wanted to become more involved in in the organization? There's something about this place that uh, just brings me alive. October is my favorite time of year because of the festival and has been for a very long time. I feel like when one gets to go and immerse themselves in the events that are programmed at our festival, and I'm speaking um, as someone who attended a long time ago um, before I had any role in curating these events, it was almost like having a mini 
um, university experience or what I'm, I guess what I'm trying to say is it felt like I was attending school and just learning and expanding my mind in so many different areas. And when I'd come away from that kind of immersive week, I felt like I had just come away from a year of a really great undergrad program. Yeah. Can you talk a little bit more about what the, the festival is for those who haven't attended? Sure. It's grown over the years. It's in its 34th year now. And and what it is now is um, an organization that presents year-round programming. And we try to create programs that will appeal to all ages. And we try to program events in all genres as well. So we're quite proud of our youth education program, which includes a writers in the classroom aspect where we're sending authors into classrooms to work with school-age children from kindergarten up to grade 12. And actually we also do a little bit of post-secondary work as well um, in collaboration with some of Vancouver's colleges and and universities. Um, We also have a youth writing contest and we also run events during the festival in October just for school groups who come down to Granville Island and attend those events. So that's our our youth education portion. We also have events that run from January through till June in partnership with the Vancouver Public Library. Normally those events happen every other week at their central branch downtown, but of course during these COVID times it's turned to digital programming. Um, Those insight events are meant to capture authors covering all different genres, whether it be nonfiction, memoir, or poetry, or speculative fiction, fiction, and so on. And then we also have a series of special events that run through the year. And we're learning in this digital time how to continue that. In normal times, these special events tend to host internationally acclaimed authors at larger venues here in Vancouver. Um, Some of the bigger places like the Orpheum Theater or the Stanley Theater or the Vogue or such. But in this digital time, we've turned it into um, international authors being represented in a book club format. So we invite them on screen and then we invite folks to purchase their book and attend a, a book club reading with them. Then, of course, there is the flagship festival, which happens in the third week of October. And that generally is about 80 events with over 100 authors. We have five events running simultaneously throughout the day for one full week. And, you know, again, we try to have about one third local authors, about one third from across Canada, and then one third international. So we've already talked, you've alluded a little bit to these COVID times. What's that been like for you? What was it like, you know, in the in the summer leading up to the festival? And then, you know, now we're looking, I mean, I'm sure you're already looking at next year. What's on your mind with all, all of this still happening? It's been an interesting time. Well, first of all, I think we're feeling very grateful to be presenting in a medium that translates well to the digital environment. So we are just an arts organization, but goodness knows it's been so hard for performing arts organizations in town and all over the world, I'm certain, to to take their art and present it online. We are able to 
continue these conversations that we have with authors because it does translate well. So I'm very grateful for that. Um, we're also very lucky that our flagship festival happens in the fall because it gave us time last March to figure out what to do and what was going on. We did have to cancel several of our insight events because we weren't sure how best to continue. Uh, but we took the time as a team to figure out what platforms would work for us, um, came up with some new ideas for presenting authors. And by the time October rolled around, we were able to put on a virtual festival. We cut it down to half its normal size. So only 40 events compared to the usual 80 plus. But, um, I, you know, I think it went it went pretty well considering. And now we have that framework to use for our insight series this winter and spring. And we have given been given this time to figure out how to run the fall. And we were able to come up with two separate budgets for the organization. One that, one that you know, guesses that perhaps we could have some form of an in-person element mixed with a bit of digital and another that guesses that we could can only do digital for the fall. So we are like everybody else, just waiting to see what happens and waiting to see how the vaccine rollout goes. And I suppose by the late spring, we'll just need to make a decision about that. Yeah. I remember um, when the Fold had their festival, gosh, it feels like forever ago now, but um, everyone was commenting on just like the numbers that people were seeing coming out to these digital events. Because of course it was, you know, folks like us out here on the West Coast could suddenly go to Brampton for a literary festival. <laughs> what sort of um, reaction have you seen from the wider literary community around the digital elements? Well, that is one of the great silver linings to this is being able to attend other people's festivals, other people's literary events all over the world. Um, I, I think it's also opened the door to more collaboration between organizations. Um, for instance, we collaborate with multiple different festivals and libraries across the country to present uh, a series called One Page, which um, has been quite successful so far, and, and we're quite glad about that. Uh, so we did find just taking the festival as an example, that we were able to reach audiences all over the world, depending on who the author was that was presenting. That was a lot of fun to see people tuning in from, from Japan, from London, from, you know, really all over the place. Um, we also found that for a lot of our events, we were able to go ahead with a Zoom conversation that was scheduled, but then take that event and put it up on our YouTube channel, where multiple more viewings have occurred over the past several months. And then the really great um, piece of this is that with our youth education programming, we've noticed teachers are able to take these filmed events and use them in the classroom with dozens upon dozens of kids. And so that's been really great. We've also, through our Books and Ideas newsletter, which we're now producing weekly, been able to advertise other people's literary events right across the country. So if we know Fold is doing something great, we just pop it into our Books and Ideas newsletter and then our audiences can be informed about that. And, and we're trying to do more, more of that. The time zone issue is, you know, for us out here on the West Coast, always pokes up as a problem. Some, you know, when they're running an event at 7 p.m., on a Thursday, that's a lot of us are working at that time. So that's the only problem. Yeah, I think that that's one of the most exciting things I've seen is like, 
you know, the literary community in Canada, it always kind of seemed like everything happened in Toronto, but it seems like that's totally been blown open because of us being able to visit each other digitally. Yeah, quite right. And, and you know, north to south as well, there's so many great literary events happening in the States and being able to pop into those and see how they do things there, it's really exciting. Do you see the digital stuff being like, even if, you know, we're all vaccinated in two years and we can all hang out in an auditorium, do you see that always being a part of how you do things now just because of the last year? I think so. I mean, there's there's this wonderful piece of accessibility that goes with digital events, obviously. Not everybody wants to go out to a packed auditorium. Um, often will sell out a packed auditorium. So sometimes being able to offer these digital events um, for free or by donation is a really great way to reach more people. So yes, I think we will be able to maintain some aspect of that. Having said that, I, for one, cannot wait until we can gather in person again. And there's nothing that can replace the energy of uh, some wonderful authors reading to a room full of fans. Um, The energy that we get off of one another and that the authors get from us, uh, it's simply, I haven't figured out how to replicate that on a digital screen. And I miss it a lot. So the answer is... Yes, we'll continue some form of digital programming, but we will maintain our in-person programming as well. Yeah. The other conversation that really kind of erupted in the last year was around diversity and making sure those those diverse voices are being included in panels and events and reading lists and beyond. Um, how are you looking at that with what you do? That's always been something that um, I've looked at, and um, I like to think that the programming speaks for that as well. We bring in a new guest curator each year, um, a new individual to provide their voice and perspective on curation and programming. We'll continue doing that. Yeah, I think it's really important to look at your overall author pairings, moderators, and collaborators. Yeah. What are you looking forward to in the next year? Are there opportunities on the horizon that you're really excited about or books that are coming out? Oh, there are so many books coming out always. Isn't this the best <laughs> part about being in this business, isn't it? It uh, is. <laughs> like, you, you, you just know, oh God, it's going to be so much fun no matter how we do it. I know that all these books are coming. I am I am quite excited about the new Kazuo Ishiguro book that is coming. Um, and I'm happy to say that One Page will be presenting him on, oh, I think that's in April, but details will will follow on our website. Um, I'm, I'm pretty excited about some of the insight events that we have planned, uh, including a, a mini poetry bash with six outstanding poets, uh, several of whom are from BC. Can't wait to, to tackle that in April, which is Poetry Month. Um, Eden Robinson has the third book coming in her trilogy, her Trickster trilogy, and I'm really happy to say we've got Eden coming to Insight on March the 17th. Oh, gosh, Daryl McLeod has a new a memoir coming out, the second in his. So, yes, there's so much to look forward to. There's I, I could go on and on. <laughs> yeah. And it's exciting because, I mean, you just mentioned all these great 
BC authors, which I think is is such an exciting thing of what you do at the Writers Fest is kind of giving those BC authors a platform. Daryl and Eden and the amazing poetry that came out of this province oh, and it w- continues to come out. It's an endless. There's an endless stream of talent here, and and yeah, we're really proud to be able to present these folks. Yeah. One of the things that I think I was kind of watching as all this digital stuff happened was how we all kind of learned to do things different or do things to play with the platforms in a way that's been interesting. Um, What are you looking at as far as that? Like, is there ways you're looking at the digital to kind of switch it from the way, you know, the panel discussions we've been doing that sort of thing? Yeah, I think I'm I'm still kind of working out how best to hold these types of panel conversations. I was talking about energy before and and I do feel like sometimes on Zoom in a panel conversation, the energy can seep away a bit. Um, So I'm still really trying to figure that piece out, how to bring the energy to that. One one thing that's worked for us and that we're continuing with uh, in 2021 is this digital book club. And that supposes that anybody who purchases a ticket to attend is buying the book as well so that they can read the book ahead of time, um, just like in a regular book club, really um, formulate their own ideas about it and then come to the event prepared to talk about it and and ask some questions of the author if they like. Um, So at the moment, we're just doing that with international authors because it's a way of being able to draw, to attract international authors without obviously having them here in person. Um, I'm kind of excited that the teenager in me is very excited to say that our first book club of the year is going to be with Ethan Hawke, um, who is of course best known as a great Hollywood actor, but he's also quite an established writer. And um, some of you may have read his book, The Hottest State, which uh, was really quite a lovely piece of fiction. And his new book is coming out and we will be hosting him, uh, gosh, March the 14th. And again, that's kind of a, a way of being able to push book sales. So in order that the price of attending is purchasing the book, but then you also get access to the author at this event. So a little bit of book, you know, trying to get the book sales for the publisher and for the author, but also providing the audience with the opportunity to interact. Yeah. And of course, you've got a great moderator for that event as well, which will, I, speaking about energy, I'm sure Jen will bring so much energy to that event. And Lee is moderating this one for us, and, and I'm thrilled about that. Yeah. Is that, that, that must be a, like we've, you and I have emailed about moderators, but that's a piece that I think a lot of people don't consider as part of this. And it's such an important dynamic. Um, can you talk a bit about that process for you when you're picking that person to, to lead a panel or moderate a discussion? Of course, it, it is important and it's something I'm still learning and playing around with. Um, when I, when I first came into this job, there was sort of a list of moderators that had always been used, kind of the tried and true, and it was time to mix it up a bit. And that was a fun process. But of course, the first thing one needs to look at is, is an individual's energy and interviewing style and, and uh, gosh, um, their ability to focus on the book and author themselves rather than talk about themselves, because that that's hard for a lot of 
people to do. Some some people are, you know, they're perhaps other authors are used to talking about their own work and it's hard not to come back to yourself constantly. So there's a lot of, you know, things we look for when we're choosing moderators. Um, obviously diversity of voice and point of view is so important. And, you know, frankly, I find that journalists make some of the best moderators. They know how to ask questions. They know how to not make it about themselves and they know how to keep a conversation going if it stalls. So that's often my preferred area to go to. Yeah. And of course, moderating on Zoom is like a completely different thing too, which, you know, someone who can moderate a panel on stage, it's a different can of worms with the little Hollywood squares. (laughs) It absolutely is. I keep telling people on Zoom, though, when, you know, if anyone's feeling anxious or you know nervous before going on, whether it's an author or a moderator, I think the audience is a lot more forgiving, uh, dig- uh, the digital audience. And in a way, they kind of want you to be a bit more relaxed and a bit less formal. So the formal Zoom interviews where it's all just very question answer back and forth followed by good night everyone it doesn't work as well as when your moderator or your author actually stops and maybe talks directly to the audience or acknowledges the weirdness of this place that we're in right now Um, that's when there seems to be more connection happening yeah yeah I agree I guess my my last question for you is and it's probably going to be a hard one, but you've been involved with the Writers' Fest for so long. Are there any events that stand out in your mind as favorites or ones you would love to go back to just for, you know, 15 minutes? Oh my gosh. Well, uh, this is going to be really biased because my favorites all happen to be be perhaps because they're favorite writers of mine. Um, I'm a huge fan of UK author Deborah Levy. And she was at the festival uh, a few years ago. And I'm I'm just, I'm in awe of her writing, both her fiction and her memoirs. So um, listening to her in conversation with Marsha Liederman um, really sticks in my head as as one of my all-time favorite events. Gosh, Wade, listening to Wade Davis uh, a few years back in person here at the Arts Club Theatre, talk about his work. Uh, gosh, again, just mesmerized by that. I, I love political conversations. So a lot of conversations that center around current cultural, socioeconomic issues are, are real favorites of mine as well. And so I, I think back often on, on some of those. Were there any that surprised you that you didn't, you didn't go in, you know, knowing how you'd feel about it, but you left being like totally blown away? That's a really good question, Megan. And I, I, I would have to think about that. <laughs> I'm certain that there always, that there always are events like that. Yeah. Um, but you put me on the spot and I can't think of one off the top of my head right now. That's okay. It's, it's hard. I'm sure you've seen so many that, you know, in some ways there's always an element that surprises. Oh, it's true. It's very true. I hadn't, you know, before I came into this job, um, there's an author by the name of Rachel Kushner, who I hadn't heard of um, before going to her event. And I'm just trying to remember what book she would have been here with. Um, 
the flamethrowers. She, she wrote a novel called The Flamethrowers. And I do remember walking into Performance Works partway through that conversation and just being blown away by her and then immediately wanting to go and read everything that I could get my, my hands on. Yeah, that was the first time I went to the Writers' Fest was, I'm forgetting his last name right now, and it's so embarrassing, but John, who wrote Cider House Rules and The World According Irving, to Carp. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, yeah, I saw him speak at the Writers' Festival, and it was one of those things where I'd read Cider House Rules, but I hadn't read anything else. And from there, it was like I had to, I had to find everything. I have, I have one funny story from like ages ago, back I think it was when I was a publicist before I was even on the board, but I got to go and see Timothy Findlay um, downtown at St. Andrew's Wesley church. And he was reading from, I think it might've been his last book that he wrote before he passed away called Headhunter. I'm not sure if that was his last book or not, but at any rate, it featured some really graphic sex scenes and he chose to go and stand up on the pulpit of this remarkable cathedral and specifically chose these scenes to read. <laughs> and he just was delighted with himself that he could do this and made a really, a really big show of it. And I, I remember then thinking, well, this is theater. This is, you know, not only am I listening to a remarkable Canadian writer who uh, is a hero of mine, but he is presenting it in such a way that it has become theater. And that's exciting that uh, on a festival stage, that's what we would hope for a lot of the time that the conversations come alive and that it's more than just listening to an author read from their book. It becomes more than that. Thanks so much to Leslie for being on the podcast. And thanks, of course, to you, our listeners, for subscribing and listening to Writing the Coast. Now, if you're wondering how to find out about all those great Vancouver Writers Fest events Leslie talked about, you should really visit their website or find them on social media. Their website is writersfest.bc.ca. If you want to learn more about the BC and Yukon Book Prizes, including our recently announced storied series, visit our website at bcyukonbookprizes.com. If you want to stay in the loop about all things BC and Yukon Book Prizes, follow us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Next time on Writing the Coast, you'll hear my conversation with Terry Patratz, the founder and director of Salt Spring Island's Paper Covers Rock Festival. Thanks for listening to Writing the Coast.